The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hey, good morning, and uh, hey, welcome to Drive-In Church. Glad you're still joining us today. Appreciate you being here, making a point to you. And of course, I know there's some that you're at your home right now, you're in your living room, maybe you're still in your PJs, time to get dressed. Um, Actually, you can decide that, not me. But uh, anyway, uh, glad you're here. We're jumping into a brand new series today called Once Upon a Time. And and what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to basically be uh, working through the biography of certain individuals in Scripture. And so if you're looking for a place to land today, you can go to Deuteronomy. 31. It's the fifth book of the Old Testament, so go way back a ways, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then you'll get to Deuteronomy, and it'll be uh, chapter 31, like I said. Once upon a time, Moses led the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and God had renewed the promise of a wonderful land for them. If you go back to Genesis, you might recall if you've read the scriptures before that uh, in Genesis, Abraham received the promise of a, of a nation and stuff, and that promise was renewed with Isaac and Jacob, and then it became you know something that Joseph, but then there was this kind of area where the Lord had said, hey, there, there's actually going to be uh, 400 years of slavery. It's not going to be good, but after that, I have a land for you. And that's exactly what played out. And so as you get to Exodus, so Genesis, then Exodus, as you get to Exodus, it's really the story of Moses leading the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and and into the desert area where they were supposed to head towards the promised land. And so there's Moses and he's leading this nation of people, but he wasn't alone. In fact, he had his brother Arian, Arian, he had his brother Aaron, let me get that very clear, his brother Aaron, and uh, and then there, as, you, as you continue through Exodus, you, you see that there were others, including her, and when you look at Exodus chapter 17, there's this story right here. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on a hill and I'll have the staff of the Lord in my hands. Well, in Exodus 17, that's exactly what happens. Joshua goes down to the valley. He fights the battle against the Amalekites. Moses' hands are raised. As his hands are raised, the Israelites are winning. As his hands get tired, they go down and they end up losing. And so Aaron and Hur begin to notice that, um, I love the accidental honk. And then the, oh my gosh, should I just do that? So you're welcome. It's all good. No problem. Anyway, love it. Uh, sorry, a little humor, but so here, here's Moses and as his hands get tired, they go down and the Israelites start losing. Well, Aaron and her notice and what they do is they put Moses on a rock and hold his arms up and they win the battle. Specifically in Exodus 17, 14, it says this, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of of Amalek from under heaven. I want to talk today about Joshua. Joshua is described in scripture as Moses' aide or as Moses' assistant. Joshua is also a capable military leader, and Joshua is also the leader of his tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Ephraim. Joshua was the leader of that tribe. And what you see as you continue through Exodus and you get into Numbers, 
uh, Joshua's name is sprinkled in in all these different places. But specifically, there's a point where while they're in the desert that the Lord says to Moses, send out 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel to, to spy out the land that I'm promising you. And so Moses gathers a leader from every tribe, sends them out to spy the land the Lord says is yours, and they go and they spy the land. So as they head north and they're checking out what's going on, they notice that, wow, this is an amazing land, just like the Lord said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a fertile land. We can't believe how well the crops seem to grow there. I mean, look, this is incredible. But the problem is, and there's a big butt in the way, pardon my French, but the problem is they begin to notice there's all these different people groups that are living where the Lord has said that's going to be your land. And they notice that not only are they numerous people groups, but some of them are unbelievably large warrior-like people. So the 12 spies spy out the land, they come back, they bring some of the fruit and they're, you know, bring it to the people and the people of Israel are amazed. And the, the, the group stands up and give this report. You guys, the land is amazing. I mean, th this stuff is incredible. It's fertile. Crops grow there like crazy. It's a spacious land. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's all that God said it was going to be. And there's a problem. The people there are, are, are huge people, and there's all kinds of groups of them. And if we go there, they're going to devour us. There's no way we can get to the land. Well, Caleb and Joshua kind of step back from the speech the others are giving. And Caleb says this in Numbers 13.30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. Well, the, the other 10 step back in and continue to grumble and they lead all of the nation of Israel to go, there's no way, this can't happen, it's not gonna work. And then you get to Numbers chapter 14 and that's where, here's how some of the conversation goes. They've been led out of slavery in Egypt and brutal harsh treatment and pretty soon in Numbers 14, here's what they're saying. Oh my gosh, there's no way that we can get to this promised land the Lord gave us. I can't believe the Lord let us out here. In fact, I wish we could be slaves again so we could have all the meals we wanted. I wish we could be back how it used to be. And that's how they're talking. Well, don't forget that the very first part of Numbers 13 specifically says, the Lord said to Moses, go send spies to the land I'm going to give you. So these people aren't just rebelling against what Caleb had to say. They're rebelling against what God's promise is. They won't listen. Well, at this point in Numbers 14, Caleb and Joshua stand up and make a speech again. And, and it says this, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us only, and here's the warning, do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we can devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. This is Joshua and Caleb. Well, the very next paragraph in Numbers 14 specifically says that the people began to talk of stoning Joshua and Caleb. It's like, Merry Christmas. Here's two guys that are believing God, that are standing on his promises, and the whole nation of Israel is going, let's just kill them. Let's just get rid of them. They don't seem to be paying attention to what we think. Well, guess what? What God thinks is far more important than what they think. 
and Joshua and Caleb are surrendered, focused on what God wants. You know where this leads? Numbers 14 is probably the most tragic chapter in the entire book of Numbers. Because what happens is, not only do they talk of stoning Joshua and Caleb, but, but they talk of, we can never get there, it's not going to happen. And the Lord speaks up in the midst of all of this and says to Moses, you know what, maybe it's time for me to get rid of these people. Moses, step back and I'll take care of business. And Moses is like, don't do that. And then he says, fine, I won't do that. And there's more to it, but fine, I won't do that. But here's what's going to happen. None of these people right now are going to enter the promised land because they don't trust who I am. And what should have been an 11-day journey through the desert and into the promised land became 40 years of wandering. And the reason was because the Lord said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to be 40 years, one year for every day the spies went into the land to check it out. And they're not going to get to go, and that generation needs to pass away, and then they'll enter the promised land. Can you imagine? What should have taken 11 days took 40 years years. That is the power of rebellion in the human heart. And it's a great reminder for you and for me that that we may think we're, we're good. We may assume everything's fine, but it's worth you and I regularly doing inventory of what's going on in our hearts that we don't find ourselves getting off course from what God wants and where God wants and how God wants in our lives. The rest of the book of Numbers includes regulations and laws and reminders of of how they should live, but it's also a record of the 40 years of wandering that's basically a roller coaster. It's it's rebellion and grumbling and and rebuke and uh, complaining and repentance and blessing and grumbling and complaining. I mean, it goes back and forth over and over and over until you get towards the end of the book of Numbers. And in chapter 27, Moses is getting a bit older and, and God says, you're going to be passing away and you won't be heading into the promised land, but I want you to remind Joshua he's going to succeed you as the person in charge. And so in Numbers 27, that's what happens. And then the, the, the book continues through to a close and you get to the book of Deuteronomy. Now, you may not have understood this before, but Deuteronomy, although it's rather lengthy in chapters, it actually happens just over a span of a few weeks. But what it is, is it's four different speeches by Moses to the nation of Israel about all that God has done and all that God has asked of them, but it only takes it takes place over a span of just a few weeks. And in chapter three, you see early on in one of these speeches that Moses encourages Joshua about his future. And then you continue through. And like I said, it's mostly a reminder of some of what we've already heard in Exodus and Leviticus and in Numbers as Moses is giving this grand speech four different times in four different contexts. And then um, as you towards the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 31, Moses is giving basically a goodbye speech. And he's saying, I'm old and I'm going to pass on. But he turns to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31 and says in verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. And these are words that you're going to hear in the next few minutes a whole bunch of times. He says, be strong and courageous for you, Joshua, must go with this people into the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. 
The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And so he says that in front of the whole nation of Israel. And then after that moment is over among the entire nation, Moses is summoned by the Lord with Joshua to a place called the Tent of Meeting. It was where the Lord would meet with with Moses in particular. But Moses and Joshua go to this place called the Tent of Meeting, and, and the Lord gives Moses some directives, but then he turns to Joshua and says almost the very words that Moses said, Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. And so Deuteronomy winds down, Moses passes away, the nation mourns for 30 days, and then you get to what we call the book of Joshua, named after this individual. It says in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place that you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, all the way west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong, verse 7, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the writer to the left from it to the writer to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And it's after that that you find Joshua telling the nation it's time to cross the Jordan River. It's time to go to the land we've been waiting on for 40 years. It's time to get the inheritance that God has given us. But I want you to notice something in particular as we look at the entire life of Joshua. Over and over and over, he saw all the circumstances the nation of Israel went through. He was uh, Moses' right-hand man over and over and over and got to witness everything from being in slavery to getting out of Egypt to getting through through the Red Sea, to ending up in the desert, to spying out the land, to getting through 40 years of wandering and now entering the promised land and the conquest of all that God had for the nation. Why do I bring all of that up? There were two people on the face of this earth that experienced slavery in Egypt, the Red Sea, the desert, and then into the promised land. And the only two people were Joshua and Caleb. And the reason specifically, because it's repeated over and over and over in Numbers and Deuteronomy in particular, it is repeated. The Lord says, 
none of you will enter the promised land because of the rebellion in your hearts. None of you will get what I have for you. None of you except, and over and over it says, except Joshua and Caleb. But in Numbers chapter uh, chapter 32 specifically, it says none of you except Joshua and Caleb. Here's why. Because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I was just reading this morning in the reading plan that I'm still doing. (laughs) Um, This idea of the issue of our hearts. And I realize right now that there is not one person aside from from the Lord that, that knows everything about the human heart, but you know more about your own heart than anyone. And when I talk about Joshua and Caleb following the Lord wholeheartedly, and the question becomes a question for you and for me, are you following the Lord wholeheartedly? Only you can really answer that question. Because we can look good on the outside. We can put on the show that everything's together and, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But only we know what's really going on sometimes in our own hearts. And so the challenge for you and I, when we think about Joshua and what he got to experience and all that he got to see is because over and over what you see is him trusting who God is, trusting what God can do, trusting that God's got a plan in the midst of certain moments that don't seem to make a hill of beans of sense. See, I think about in the world you and I are in today on social media, I've seen this one meme come up over and over and over. And it says, it's this gal that's standing and she's kind of leaning forward with one foot and she's got her arms out like this and her, and her, eye, her, um, her forehead is wrinkled and her eyes are up. And the meme says this, what chapter of Revelation are we in today? And honestly, that's how it feels sometimes right now. It's like, every, I just found out again yesterday, oh, another murder hoarder showed up in Washington. It's like, okay, go back to that chapter in Revelation because here we are. But the simple truth is, just like Joshua, just like Caleb, when we follow the Lord wholeheartedly, yes, things in our world happen that seem out of control. There's this Chaz area in Seattle that's apparently now called Chop, it, which sounds way cooler, Chaz, not Chop, but either one is kind of lame, but okay, whatever. But there's these different places in our world and things going on that make things seem so out of control. And yet, the promise for Joshua is a similar promise to you and to me. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. Only you are called to follow me. Do what I'm asking you to do. The challenge is this. As the Lord says to Joshua, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Now, it's different for you and me because when we go to the Old Testament, what you read in the book of the law is regulations about festivals and sacrifices and this whole situation that Jesus came to fulfill so that we're not obligated to that. But when we talk about the, you know, following the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, doing what he wants us to do, it's living in a place of surrender, trusting that God is in control. It's being faithful. I'm just going to say it as I always do faithful to a reading plan that sharpens my ability to to, to know there's a God who cares. To begin to understand his nature and his character in a better way and be reminded of it over and over and over because we all need that. What does it look like for you to follow the Lord wholeheartedly? Like I said, At the end of the day, only you can answer that. 
Because you know what's going on inside. What does it look like for you to meditate on God's work in your life, on scripture regularly, day and night? What does it look like to be reminded of who God is over and over and over? Because my word, we need it. What does it look like for you, for me? See, I'm a believer that before God gives us our marching orders, he wants our whole hearts. I really genuinely believe there's something God wants to do magnificent in every one of our lives that, that maybe we're wandering in the desert because we're not discerning it. Maybe we're wandering and God isn't showing us or allowing us to get to that certain place because there's certain character issues. There's certain things going on. There's a certain sense of, you know what, if I were to answer, am I following the Lord wholeheartedly? Mostly. Well, mostly means no. Mostly means I'm not. Kind of, pretty much. It's like asking your your kid to go clean their room. And they go into their room and they shove a bunch of dirty laundry under the bed and tuck a bunch of, I don't know, plates from a meal they snuck into their room, into their drawer, and that's clean. The bed's made because they threw the covers over it and you can't see the sheet underneath. That's, that's, not, that's not cleaning your room. Come on. I ask my kids sometimes, is it, is it a parent, adult version of clean or your version of clean? It's two different things. Unfortunately, sometimes two very different things. But that same idea for you and me is, are we following the Lord wholeheartedly? Are you tucking stuff on on your heart, hiding stuff away? That's just kind of there. Are you limiting what God wants to do? Because maybe you're not in that place of with your whole heart. And it's not, it's not living in condemnation because of it, but it's, it's the tension inside of us. Because if you look at what, what Joshua 1 says in verse 7, I, I love it says, be strong and courageous. Love that. And we need that today in our world, man. It's the anxiety and all that stuff. Be strong, be courageous. But it also says, be careful. He goes on and he talks about, don't turn away that you may be successful. Keep the stuff, you know, keep the law on your lips and meditate that you may be careful. There it is again. We're not always very good at being careful. And it means stopping to do inventory of what's going on in our hearts. And it means making things right when we need to. And it means trusting and leaning in, not because we always see it, but because God is there and is at work. And it means looking for the ways that he's working, even though it's not always that visible. I want to encourage you with this. This is just something I was thinking about as I was putting the pieces of the message together. Let me encourage you to, to maybe put, put together a note card. Or, or, or maybe what you need to do is on, on your screen on your phone, you can just create a little graphic and put it on there with that question, am I following the Lord wholeheartedly? Or maybe just the word, write it wholeheartedly, and you know what it means. But write it somewhere. Just like you see in Joshua, meditate on it. Am I following wholeheartedly? Because right now today, in a gathering like this, okay, we're wholehearted. Yes, I'm in. But later on today, eh, maybe not so much. By midweek, I've dumped it. By Friday, I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? Wholeheartedly. Because like I said, it is possible 
that we could find ourselves wandering in places we never should be because we're not in that place like Joshua of being wholeheartedly devoted. And Father, today, it's not me standing here pointing to a computer screen, pointing through a windshield. It's me today being challenged just like all of us, God, that Lord, I wanna be wholeheartedly devoted. I wanna live in that place of full surrender, not because it's easy, but because I believe it is what's best, that we can achieve what you desire. We can become who you want. We can see what we're supposed to see in our lifetime. If only, just like we read about Joshua and Caleb, we follow the Lord wholeheartedly. I'm grateful, Lord, that you won't leave. I'm grateful that you won't forsake. I'm grateful that you're with us wherever we go. I'm confident of that as we live in that place of surrender to what Jesus has done. But God, let that mean that in that place of surrender, we find ourselves becoming what you want, not what this world wants, not what our own flesh would want, and not what the enemy would want for us, but what you want in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, appreciate you taking the time today to join us. And uh, just a couple of things before you, you head out. First of all, if you're here uh, at drive-in and you're gonna be heading out, make sure you respect the parking crew as, as well as, as if you're heading through the neighborhood on your way out. Just respectful of the neighbors as you're driving. We're trying to trying to keep some peace uh, between all of us, so we appreciate that. Um, also, um, wanna encourage you with a couple of things. First of all, uh, be in prayer you know, I know that the drive-in thing isn't the funnest thing. And, and I think for, for the most part, all of us would much rather be face-to-face and be in a building and, and have things sort of normal as much as we can. Uh, but be praying about that because we're having conversations about what it means. We're having conversations about logistics. Um, obviously, there's a certain limit to what we can do in the facilities that I'm standing on right now in our building, um, but we're trying to figure it out. So just please be praying for wisdom because I want this to end as much as anybody does. So appreciate that. Also want to ask you, some of you aren't aware, some of you are we have a campus in Snohomish, but um, just like here, we haven't been meeting in a building. And so we've actually asked uh, our Snohomish campus to be part of these gatherings or, or be watching online. And, and that's great. But um, we, we really want to find a solution. And we were meeting at the high school in Snohomish, and that's not going to be the long-term option for us. So we've been looking for a place to gather. And we have a couple of communication pieces out that we're waiting to hear back from that seem like they could be really good options, but we're waiting. So be praying about that because, man, that, that campus, if you're part of the Snohomish campus, first of all, we sure appreciate you continuing on the journey because it has not been an easy one for the last few years, honestly. But um, be praying about that, all of us, because we want to find a great spot. We want to have a location that isn't going to be set up and tear down. And like I said, there's a couple of options that seem like they would be really good. Um, we're just waiting to hear um, if that might work or if those details details are realistic. So please pray for that. And finally, um, we're going to have a worship night this Thursday at 7 p.m. It's going to be a virtual worship night. Where we're going to have an extended time of worship and we're going to be praying some prayers in between. But I encourage you to join us. It is online. So at grove.church, you can click on the online experience Thursday, 7 p.m. Just encourage you to gather. And I know there's a distance and there's internet and all that stuff, but pray and join us. Um, I think it'll be good for all of us. And uh, we appreciate you doing that. But that's going to be Thursday at 7. And finally, 
um, as you head out. If you've got some, some giving to drop off or the connect cards because you're driving in, make sure you do that on your way out. We have some teams there with some, uh, some team members with some bins. Um, and of course you can give online at grove.church and, and we do appreciate that um, as we you know still have budgets and bills and all that kind of stuff trying to be the church and love our community and, and do our best to, to be the family of God together. So thank you for your financial faithfulness as well. Um, have a great day. Have a great week. God bless you so much and thanks for the prayers. Um, see you later. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.